and grab a seat. Uh, my name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. And I also want to say Merry Christmas Eve. It is wonderful to have the whole family together celebrating the birth of Jesus. And uh, just uh, kind of by show of hands, how many of you have already sent your Christmas cards out this year? Anybody do the, yeah, okay, so not even half the room, all right. How many of us are gonna go for New Year's cards? Anybody? Yeah, that's, that's where, I think that's a, the path I'm on. Um, you know, it's interesting because our culture has this tradition, and what it is is we send out these greetings at this time of year. And, and so we send out, typically they include a picture, and often there is a message associated with them. Sometimes the message is written, and sometimes the message is sort of unintended, right? Or it, it, maybe it's implied. And sometimes these cards can be just a little bit awkward. I don't know if you've seen any of these, but the first one here, uh, maybe you've got a card like this. And, um, you know, the unintended message here is that we're still in love and still making you feel normal. Um, the, the, the next one here is we've gotten comfortable with one another this year. Uh, and this one's my favorite. This is Happy Holidays from Mary, Joseph, and the Son of Dog. Uh, so... I, I don't know sort of what messages you want to put in your cards as you send them out, but I will tell you that there also is a tradition of including a deeper truth, right, and a, and a deeper kind of a message, and that is the tradition of putting scripture, sometimes a prophecy or sometimes scripture about Jesus himself, and, and so maybe you've seen a card like this this Christmas season from Matthew one twenty three. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this verse happens to be about Mary, and she's going to give birth to Jesus, and Jesus is going to have a title. And that title is an interesting word. It's the word Emmanuel, and what it means is God with us. And that's kind of the first truth, the overarching truth that we'll be talking about tonight. Emmanuel means God with us. Now, when it comes to Christmas, there is a problem. And the problem is that we are 2,000 years removed from the nativity, from the night that Jesus was actually born. And so for us, the story it's, it's so far removed, and it's filled with places and names that are unfamiliar, and, and what we have been tempted to do over the years is pack in the story with 2,000 years of poetry, candlelight, and hymns. And so what it is when, when we read the story or we hear the story of the nativity, it's like the whole thing is sepia-toned. And everyone is wearing a halo, not just the angels, not just the people, the cows and the sheep as well, like halos all around. And, 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 and we have somehow made this thing mythic and legendary, and we're distanced from it. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to tell the story to you in such a way, that just like the people in the first century would have heard this story told. And the reason why I want to do this is because I want it to be real to you, like it was real in the first century, like it is real today, but I want us to hear it through some different sorts of, of lenses. So what I want to do is read you a story that we have written. This is a story called Northwest Nativity, and uh, 
It is trademarked, Mike Howerton, available for purchase after the service. Uh, uh, but it starts like this. It says, imagine that once upon a time, not so very long ago, a miracle happened. A baby was born to a young virgin from Kent Meridian High School. I know what you're thinking, that's impossible. But the Bible makes it clear that nothing is impossible with God. In fact, that's exactly what the angel announcing the miracle said, nothing is impossible with God. Her name was Maria, and she was a caring and compassionate junior on the honor roll and involved in student government. She was seriously dating Joe, a sophomore at Cascadia Community College. He was close to getting his AA, and he worked part-time at Shucks Automotive. He was good with his hands. He was kind. When Joe found out that Maria was pregnant, he was hurt. They were in love and talking about getting married when Maria finished school. She explained to him that she didn't have another boyfriend, that this was God's baby. Oh, and also the savior of the world. He wondered if it was time to get on the Oprah Winfrey show. But then, in a dream, an angel who looked like Richard Sherman visited him and told him, don't even think about being afraid. In movies, angels often look like Barry Gibb in a bathrobe, but in real life, they are strong and fearsome holy warriors, causing grown men to require diapers. <laughs> Joe was told to man up, that Maria was telling the truth, and that God really did love the world enough to save it. This was all God's plan, the dreadlocked angel said. The baby's name was to be Jesus, for he would save people from their sins. So Joe and Maria stayed together and decided to get married right away. The birth happened the following winter in a trailer parked at Walmart in Olympia, where Joseph and Maria had gone to report for jury duty. Because of the monster truck rally at the Tacoma Dome, all of the hotels were booked solid. <clears throat> there were no witnesses unless you count the husky and cougar who arrived to lend a protective eye over the child. The birth was a miracle, why? because the husky and the cougar weren't trying to kill each other. It was peace on earth. Later, angels announced Jesus' arrival to security guards working the night shift at Nordstrom's. With umbrella in hand to fend off the December drizzle, an angel who looked like Ann Wilson of heart proclaimed, this is good news of great joy. A handsome, happy angel wearing a number three jersey audible. It's for all the people, go see now. Blue 32, blue 32, hut hike. Instantly, an angel choir appeared singing glory to God to a Macklemore beat. So they went. They huddled up around the trailer and took a knee and worshipped. Later, Bill Gates, Paul Allen, and Howard Schultz showed up, bringing gifts of upgrades, stock options, and a pound of Arabica Bold. Governor Jay Inslee inquired of the wise men where this baby was and what his political affiliation might be. Snow began falling softly upon the trailer at Walmart in Olympia, all over the Northwest, and Maria treasured all of these things in her heart. She knew what God had told her, that Jesus was to have a nickname, Emmanuel. It's a special name that means God is with us. And as Maria held Jesus tight, she smiled at Joe, and she knew more than she'd ever known anything else, that God was with them, with us. He still is. The end. Now, as you hear that story, it sounds so shocking to our ears to hear it in a contemporary context, but that's exactly how it would have sounded to those who heard it in the first century. Familiar and yet scandalous. 
God is with us like this? Yes, amazing, mysterious, miraculously, right in the middle of the mundane, God is with us. He is here with us tonight. He's closer than your own heart. And he brings no guilt, no manipulation, no condemnation, just an invitation. Just a savior born in a trailer park who knows exactly how difficult life is, who knows exactly how you feel. Because he is here, he is with us. And his birth means God with us. In a general sense, like we are all with each other, gathered here together, we are with one another, generally speaking. Yeah, he's near, and, and so there's a proximity piece to that. But there's a deeper theological reality as well, as in God is with us. He is with us. Like, like we might say to one another, hey, I'm with you, man. I've got your back. I am for you. That's how God is with us. Like the twelves are with the hawks, God is with us, right? Deeper even, if I may say. And certain things are changed when this reality is invited into our lives. Emmanuel means God is with us, and God with us means certain practical realities. The first of which, God with us, means peace. God with us means peace for each and every one of us. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, because this child is born to us, because God is with us, now we have a Prince of Peace. A prince who has come to make peace between us rebels and our Father God. A prince who has come to make peace and to allow us to be at home in our own skins. And a prince of peace who has come to show us the way of peace so that we might have peace with one another. And the Hebrew word for this peace is the word shalom. Shalom means wholeness or fullness. And spiritually, what it's saying is that we no longer lack because of Jesus. Now we are invited into this multi-dimensional peace. God with us means peace. The next thing God with us means is joy. God with us means joy. Jesus has come to bring joy. Now, we look around the world today, we recognize there are so many people, there are, are so many things out there that seek to rend our joy or steal our joy. You might have even heard just recently, in the last week or so, that hackers from North Korea have threatened Sony, so now a comedy won't be released on Christmas. Seriously, Scrooge? I mean, really, you're gonna rip that away? Maybe what you're not familiar with is recent legislation that happened in China. I just be became aware of this. Last uh, month in November, there was new legislation passed in China where they have implemented laws declaring puns to be illegal. I'm telling you the truth. Telling puns is now a criminal offense in China. So tonight, we're gonna airlift some joy over the Great Wall, okay? Are you ready for this? Here goes, the first one. Dry erase boards are remarkable. That was a criminal act right there, okay? What's the best thing about Switzerland? 
I don't know, but their flag is a huge plus. <laughs> Serious rebellion happening right here. It's impossible to explain puns to kleptomaniacs because they take things literally. <laughs> we are getting all revolutionary up in here tonight, folks. That's a joy bomb right there. Boom! Maybe you don't like puns as much as I do. Listen, the joy that we're talking about at Christmas goes deeper than puns. This is hard for me to believe, but it's true. Look what this verse says in Luke 2.10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You see, the great joy is that God is with us, and this joy is available for everybody, everywhere, no limits, no restrictions, no conditions. And the joy of Jesus is deeper than humor, and it's wider than circumstances, and it's longer than forever. In fact, this joy is so strong that it has the power to sit side by side with grief in the human heart and never lose its power. Jesus wants each and every one of us to be filled and to be overfilled with his joy. In fact, look, look at this verse from John 15, 11. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. God with us means peace and God with us means joy. And the last truth is that God with us means light. It means light in a dark world. We can all relate to waking up suddenly and being confused about where we are, what's going on. When I was a child, I used to sleepwalk uh, quite often. And even into my adult years, uh, this happened uh, from time to time. And I remember one time when I was awakened suddenly from a sound sleep, and I realized that I was standing up in the pitch blackness. I had no idea where I was. I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't see a thing. So I started to take a step forward, and I hit a wall. Boom, right against the wall. Well, that was confusing. So I turned to my left, and I tried to take a step to my left, and boom, I hit another wall. I thought, I have now entered the twilight zone. And this terrified me, and so I began to thrash around and scream and make noise and, you know, whimper. I don't know what I was doing. And all of a sudden, I discovered I was in the corner of my room, my own room that I actually love to be in. My room is a very comfortable place for me. But listen, in the dark confusion of my situation, it was unfamiliar and terrifying. And I want you to think about how so many people live their lives today. Listen, if you don't know where you are, and if you don't know where you're going, and you don't know how to move ahead, then stumbling around in the dark can be a terrifying way to live. And that is how so many people live today. But the light that the Lord brings, brings us guidance and direction. See, the scripture says in Isaiah 9, 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Jesus is that light. And he invites us to put our trust in him. 
He invites us to place our faith in him and receive his comfort, his guidance, and his direction. In fact, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, put your trust in the light while there is still time. He's referring to himself. Then you will become children of the light. Friends, if we put our trust in Jesus, if we place our faith in him, then these things bring new life to us, literally transforming us, in the words of Jesus, into children of the light. And I don't want you to just hear me say this. I want you to see it. You see, this invitation is not an invitation for you to become religious, not at all. No, no, we simply testify that Jesus has wrecked and rebuilt our lives. He has invaded and transformed our lives in the most amazing of ways. And that's my story, that's my testimony, but it's also the story of Anna. So Anna, why don't you come and share with us? She's gonna share a story of how she realized that God is with her. Would you please welcome her as she comes to share tonight? When I was 13, my mother suddenly fell ill, and after being sick for just five days, she died. Following her loss, my father filled with a lifetime of remorse and misery for having too many children and a secretive drinking habit, drank himself literally to death, leaving my brothers and sisters and myself alone. On top of that, I learned that he was not the biological father of my older siblings, and that further rocked my world. From the moment my mother died, my life tumbled out of control. Abandonment, misguided intentions, neglect, horror, and some real pain. I was a victim of a violent crime, emotional abuse, physical abuse, and a lot more chaos. For the next five years following my parents' death, I lived in six different homes, but never again with my siblings. Members of our church passed me around with little communication on my part. Those homes provided a roof over my head, but little protection, no structure, and no coaching as I moved into adolescence and adulthood, as well as no guidance when it came to knowing Jesus. I felt alone. There was no peace, no joy, and no light at the end of this tunnel that I was living in. I lived the next 15 years simply surviving what life threw at me, facing more abuse, a broken marriage, single parenthood, and dealing with huge abandonment issues from childhood and a crippling insecurity. I made one bad decision after another. Somehow in the midst of this crazy life, I did graduate from nursing school and landed a good, steady job. I kept telling myself, at this career, I could get a job anywhere, and I would never need the help of anyone ever again. I attended church because in my head, I thought that was the right thing to do, and my kids went to a Christian school. They were flourishing while I was personally in a great deal of pain all the time. Suffering privately, I felt so alone, without any real peace and no joy. I knew who God was, but at 33, I didn't know it was for me. I finally came to the conclusion that I didn't really know Jesus at all. And admitting that I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus brought me a lot of shame. That just added one more item to my messy pile that was called my life. 
My parents were gone, removed from my brothers and sisters, and distanced from Jesus. It took me a little while to honestly assess my life at this point. I decided that I needed to learn more about Jesus and the Bible. Honestly, I was looking for some answers, and I started with a simple question. God really love me? Too many bad things had happened to me, and I didn't understand why God had not protected me from all this pain. I felt that I was too bad of a person and that I was capable of making even more bad decisions. Why would he want to be present in my life? What about me was even lovable? Just about the same time, a friend sent me a verse and told me to read it in a personal way. She said the Bible was written for me as if I were the only person in the world. It's from the book of Daniel, and it's an angel speaking to Daniel himself. So the verse for me reads, Anna, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words that I speak to you. For I have been sent to you. Do not be afraid, Anna, since the day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I come in response to them. Wow, God heard me. He wants to be with me. This is when I first began to really fall in love with Jesus, and his love changed everything. I became a new person. It was not something I had to achieve. That newness is a creation of God. And it is not something that I have to work for. Jesus did this. I had to set my mind to gain understanding, to get to know this Jesus, and to hear God's word. And as a believer with new eyes asking fresh, deep questions, I could now enjoy my relationship with him. What exactly changed about me? It was finding out that God was with me and what that really means. I learned that I was not an accident. I am a child of God. I am chosen and dearly loved. I am a survivor and I am more than a conqueror. Without a doubt, my early life was in a state of constant turmoil. I was hurt in so many ways. But today, I know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Whatever happened to me in those early years, God had a plan for each of those circumstances to be used for good and for his glory. Today, I am thankful that God was with me even though I didn't recognize his presence at the time. I live with the assurance that he continues to be with me today, and that joy and peace, that reality, will always be with me. Thank you for letting me share. Like Anna, we all have pain. And Jesus goes with us through our pain. Jesus walks with us through our pain, but it's not only that. You see, he himself went through pain, so he knows what we're going through. He, He knows all of the grief, all of the pain that this world can throw at us. And the reason I love Anna's story is that, yes, it's one of pain, but it's also one of perseverance. It has an outcome that's not perfect, but it is being made perfect by Jesus, who will one day make all things right in this world. 
And God is with us. Friends, not just so that we would celebrate his birthday every December with Christmas cards and carols and credit card debt. No, the implications of heaven invading earth are far greater than that. You see, the manger and the birth of Jesus is the first scene of this beautiful invasion, but it simply gets better and better. God with us. His plan is that he would walk with us and talk with us and be with us, showing us a new way to live. Eventually, Jesus would give his life for us broken mere mortals so that he could be with us forever. And that's why we take some time tonight on Christmas Eve to light the Jesus candle. This is a candle that represents God coming near, Jesus in our midst. And from this candle, in a moment, we will light all of our candles, representing the reality of the light of the world come near. You see, this is good news of great joy, and it's for all of us. It's for everybody. I want to tell you that there is a strong current in our world today that proclaims you have to fix yourself. There are all kinds of books on the shelves at bookstores telling you how you have to fix yourself. I just want to tell you that that is not good news. It's not good news to hear that you have to earn more money, that you have to buy more technology, that you have to diet more, that you have to to somehow make things at some kind of a level so that you will finally be acceptable. Friends, the good news of great joy is not that you have to try harder. In fact, I want to say that even at a soul level, there really is no way to fix yourself. That that we are all, we're broken because we choose selfishness, we choose sin. This happens at a deep level. But the good news, the, the good news of great joy is that you don't have to fix yourself. The only thing that the Bible asks us to fix is our eyes on Jesus. You see, the scripture says this in Hebrews 12 too, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We are told to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, that by looking to him, we receive his grace. By believing in him, we receive the gifts that he brings. First off, the gift of himself, God with us. And then the manifestation of himself with us, meaning peace and joy and light and salvation. He loves us. He loves each and every one of us. And he longs to bring peace and joy and light into your life. Okay. So we have covered the fact that God is with us. I want to close my time asking you to contemplate one question. You know God is with you. Are you with him? Are you with him? Are you living a with God life? We know that he has chosen to live a with you life, but are you living a with God life? You see, Jesus settled the issue 2,000 years ago. He loves you. He pursues you. He wants a relationship with you. He chooses to be with you. And now it's time for you to settle the question, will you love him? Will you choose to live a with God life? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and and let's pray together on this Christmas Eve. And we want to declare to you, Jesus, that 
we believe in you, that we receive you. We want you to live with us, and so we receive you tonight. We place our faith in you and our trust in you, and, and we choose to embrace the gifts that you bring, the gift of peace, the gift of joy, the gift of light. And now, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would allow us to recognize the reality of God with us, not only tonight on Christmas Eve, but that we would live a life that would bring that to bear, that we would live as children of the light who choose day in and day out to place our trust and our faith in you, Jesus. Would you come with us and live with us and show us how we might live as bearers of your light, as bringers of your joy, as peacemakers in this world that's so desperate for it. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.